Well, good morning, friends. It is good to be uh, here together, to worship together, and to have this moment uh, to just put our focus and attention uh, where it should be, on the Lord. And it's just an honor to, to be here with even the people in the room. It's good to be with you guys, too. And, and um, we, we just want to take a moment now to actually just pray and just offer the rest of this time up to the Lord. So we just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the way that you love and care for us. And God, I pray as we continue in our worship, as we open up your word, as we look into Psalm 119, God, I pray that the words on the page would jump into our heart. God, that the words on the page would come alive as they are. And God, that they might make a difference in our life. God, that we might grow a root system in you that digs down deep and that the effects of that root system would have a profound effect not just on our own lives but also on the lives of the people around us. So God, we thank you so much for this opportunity and we pray this in your name, amen. So I want to start off this morning by telling a story about the Chinese bamboo tree, which I'm sure all of you probably know all about. I did not actually know a lot about the Chinese bamboo tree. I say that sarcastically, of course. Um, uh, but the, what's so interesting about the Chinese bamboo tree is, is that um, when you start with a Chinese bamboo tree, you just get a seed. And the seed is something that you plant in the ground. And what's amazing about the story of the Chinese bamboo tree when you put the seed in the ground is that you can water the very spot that you plant the seed in the ground, not just for weeks, not just for months, but you actually water the ground for five years over and over and over again without seeing a thing, without seeing any kind of results. You water and water and you water. But after the fourth year is done and the fifth year starts, one day, the bamboo shoot sprouts up, up out of the ground as it starts to grow. And it just doesn't come up just a little bit. You can actually almost sit there and watch this bamboo tree start growing and growing and growing. And it grows so fast that it grows almost up to four feet a day. And it's not uncommon for the Chinese bamboo tree to grow to heights of 90 to 100 feet within six weeks of coming out of the ground. If you think about it, that's like a nine-story building that's just a bamboo stock. It's incredible growth. And the reason why you don't see quick results right off the bat, when you plant the seed in the ground and you start watering that seed and you water and water and water every single day and give it the, the seed, the nourishment it needs, the reason why you don't see the quick results that you sometimes want to see when you plant something is because the Chinese bamboo tree is doing its work underground. It's growing a root system that grows deep and wide so that when it starts growing fast, it actually can sustain the growth because of the foundation it has under the ground. And I love that story and I share it with us this morning because I think that story is a great metaphor for the life that you and I can live you see, sometimes growing closer to God, God can be similar to growing a Chinese bamboo tree. Just as a Chinese bamboo tree needs daily nourishment, so we as followers of Jesus need consistent daily nourishment 
from God's word to help us grow. This investment into God's word takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of effort year after year after year. And sometimes this investment can sometimes even be frustrating for us because we not, might not always get the results that we might hope for. And when life gets difficult, this process can be discouraging because we want to see things happen on our terms and our timeline because of the culture that we live in that expects quick results. But the bottom line is that just because you don't see obvious growth always doesn't mean that something significant isn't happening. You see, investing in God's word, when we open our life up and we open up God's word and we let it speak deeply into our heart, we are investing in God's root system for our life. God's word promises that it never comes back void. That when we nurture it, when we open up this book and it speaks to our lives, it, 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 it does something in us that we can't do on our own. You see, God's word is essential for us to help us build the foundation that we need in the world that we live in today. And without this constant nourishment, we'll never become who, we were, who, who God created us to become. And so this morning, as we dive into Psalm 119, we're going to see this theme of a root system being dug down deep over and over and over again. But before we actually get into Psalm 119, I want to take a moment to just do a quick recap on the background of the book of Psalms. You see, the Psalms were written as a sincere expression of people who poured out all of their emotions. They're a prayer book that Israel used as prayers poured out to God. They composed the songbook that the Israelites sang in their worship while traveling to their different meeting places. And in fact, these songs from Psalms were used as a hymn book in the synagogues during worship. You see, these song lyrics were classified in the Old Testament as poetry, and they were incredibly vital for the people digging down deep and developing this root system in God. One of the smartest guys I know, one of my favorite people to read is N.T. Wright, and N.T. Wright actually wrote a book on the book of Psalms, and he says this about the, book of, about the book of Psalms. They are for every Christian to use in their private prayer, whether in praise or in pain. Jesus and his followers knew the Psalms by heart, and they used them frequently. Sing these Psalms, sing these songs, and they will renew you from head to toe, from heart to mind. Pray these poems, and they will sustain you on the long, hard but exhilarating road of discipleship. You see, the Psalms, they weren't just songs that people sung, though. There were also prayers that people prayed. The Israelites used these prayers. And they were honest. They were open. And they were real. And they captured all of the emotions from pain to praise. The Psalms were a guide that pointed the people of Israel to the instruction from God known as the Torah. You know, another thing that I love about the Psalms is that they didn't just speak to the people two, two three, four thousand years ago. They can speak to us today. Psalm 27, verses 4 and 5 says this from the message. I'm asking God for one thing, one thing only 
to live with him in the house my whole life long. I'll, completely, I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. That's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world. The perfect getaway, far from the buzz of traffic. As we continue in this series, my hope is that God would use the Psalms to continue to draw us closer to him through as we study his word. And as the Psalms can definitely help us in this area, I pray that the Psalms would actually do more than just be words to us, but they would actually teach us how to sit in the very presence of God, to savor meeting with him face to face, and to study and hang on to every word we read. So over the next few minutes, I want to dive into Psalm 119. More specifically, what I want to do is I want to look at a couple key questions that I believe will help us grow and develop a deep spiritual root system. And then following those questions, I want to take just a few moments to look at some potential excuses that I believe creep into our lives when it comes to digging down deep in God's word. And then I want to close with just a simple challenge. So let's jump into the questions. The first question, and I think it's an honest question that we need to ask, is why is it important for us to get into God's word? Like, why is it important for us to read this book? Why did God give us this book? What is the point? What is the purpose? And to understand the answer to this question, I think we need to start at the beginning. You open the book and you read Genesis chapter 1, and the first thing we see is that we see right from the start, that God created the heavens and the earth, but he didn't just do some crazy science experiment to create the heavens and the earth. No, it says literally he spoke the word, he spoke words that created the heavens and the earth. And so when we talk about the word of God, we're talking about the words of God that literally do things we can't do. The words of God that create things. I can't speak something and create something with my words. If I had a little campfire sitting right here and I said, okay, campfire, I need you to start on fire right now. Nothing's gonna happen. My words fall short, but God's words do not fall short. He used his words to speak the world into existence. But he didn't just use his words to speak the world into existence. He actually then, um, if you move ahead from Genesis into Exodus, we see this moment where Moses has this encounter with God. Where God gives him the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments were actually given to Moses as instructions from God to the people of Israel on how to live their life. So not only does God create things with his words, but he uses his words to teach us what it means to live in a relationship with him. You see, God's intention from the beginning has always been to build a relationship out of love and affection for his people. And we find this truth in the book of Deuteronomy as well. One of the most important scriptural passages for Israel was called the Shema. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, and at the heart of this, God reveals a command that their relationship with him and his people is a relationship based on truth, that listening to God compares to love for God or equates to love for God. 
So listening equals loving, and loving equals listening. Try saying that 10 times really, really fast. But the Israelites, this was importantly, incredibly important for them and their foundation in digging down their root system. That they listen to the word of God. That they love the word of God. That, that, they, that they do that, and it affects the way they live. At the heart of it, we see God's ultimate desire to have an intimate relationship with all of his people. So how does that relate to the book of Psalms? For us, I think it's important because it's so easy sometimes to get our to-do lists and the boxes that we like to check that we've done our reading every day and we kind of do it and we check the box and we go on to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. But, but really sometimes when we check boxes, I get in this habit where I just, I get it done. It's like, cool, I did this for the day. And I forget that I don't, reading God's word is not just the only thing I should be doing. I also need to take time to listen to his word. You see, listening equals loving and loving equals listening. And today we're going to see that go hand in hand in the longest chapter in the Bible. And no, we're not going to read all 176 verses. I promise you we will not do that. We're actually going to just look at a few. Sorry, Daniel. Um, but, um, and actually what I want to do is I want to, I want to actually read Psalm 119 verses 1 through 4, just the first four verses. And they say this, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. I love this passage. I love just these four verses right here because this passage teaches us that listening and loving equate to helping us grow a deep spiritual root system that will be a foundation that will help us in our walk with the Lord. And man, I'm telling you, Hillcrest, we need this like never before. We need this deep spiritual root system. But the question is, so how do we accomplish this idea of loving God? How do we accomplish this idea of digging down deep in this spiritual root system? One of the words that is used over and over and over that I think help us answer this question is the word heart. Heart is mentioned 14 times in Psalm 119. And let me make it clear, God is not about putting check marks again next to your Christian list. He's actually after your heart. And so how do you have a heart connection with him? I think it all points back to the importance of being in God's word. And when we're in his word, we're in God's presence. We're with him. We're hearing his very words. And we're walking in his path. You see, ultimately, I think God wants obedience to his word, not just reading his word. It's actually possible that you and I can know a lot about God in our head without really even knowing him in our heart. Psalm 119.4 reminds us, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. 
God doesn't want us to just know about his word. He wants us to live out his word. You see, knowing God in a personal way is kind of like talking to your best friend face to face. Remember what that was like? <laughs> Actually, I got to do that this week. I just came back from Minnesota, and I got to have breakfast with my best friend Tim, Tim Ciccone, who a lot of you know, um, on Thursday. We got to actually sit down face to face, and it was amazing. But could you imagine what it was like for Moses to actually be on the mountain with God? He actually talked face to face with God, not just as a God, but as his friend. What does it look like for you to listen to your best friend. There is something different that takes place in face-to-face conversation, and I'm going to sound old here, but that I think is better than texting, that is better than Snapchatting for you teenagers, that's better than messaging your friends through Facebook for all those maybe older in our church that still love Facebook. It's special when we get to have face-to-face conversations with people. And maybe we're realizing that now more than ever. But it's not just special. It's intimate. It's personal. I love sitting with people around a table face-to-face. When Tim and I and his wife Maria and Kirsten were sitting face-to-face around a table, it was like the the time, there, there was no such thing as time to us at that moment. Because we were there, focused on each other. And it was so great to just be together. Hillcrest, I believe God wants to share true life with you and speak to you through his word. And because it's living, because it's active, when we read his word, it's like we're looking God face to face in the eyes and we're having this encounter with him. William McPherson might not be a name that a lot of you know. William McPherson might be a a name, actually, that, that is foreign to a lot of people. It was to me until I read his story. William McPherson was a superintendent for a stone quarry in Denver, Colorado, when one day there was a blast that took place with dynamite that severely injured him. He lost his eyesight and both hands in the explosion. Up to, the point in his, up to this point in his life, William McPherson had lived for himself. He was reckless, and he had no qualms about doing things that probably lived outside of what God wanted for his life. But now, he was entirely dependent on other people to help him get by. Because he lost his limbs and he lost his sight, And on several occasions, before the accident happened, multiple people tried to share with William about the love of Jesus. They tried to share the gospel with him. And now, due to his accident, he actually was in a place where he was willing to listen. And not only did he listen, but William eventually gave his life and his heart to the Lord. And in the coming months, he wasn't just satisfied with knowing God. He wanted to know him deeply. He longed for the ability to read God's word for himself. And so William learned how to read through special ways because of his passion. And so he read raised letters from a special Bible given to him 
But they weren't just raised letters. They were raised letters. He lost feeling in all sorts of parts of his face. And so he actually had to learn how to read these raised letters with the tip of his tongue. That's how bad he wanted to learn about God's word. And toward the end of his life, William commented that he believes that he was uplifted spiritually by being struck down physically because of what God's word had done in his heart through reading it by the tip of his tongue. Sightless, he could see, he couldn't see anything, but his vision for God was crystal clear. You know, Hillcrest, I wonder if, if you and I developed a heart for God's word like William did. And it shouldn't take a horrible experience. It shouldn't take a blast like he went through where he loses his limbs and he loses his sight. It shouldn't take extreme situations like that because when we look into this book, it can do things in our life that we could never imagine on our own. And it changed William's and it could certainly change ours. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 119, verses 5 and 6, that he desires a consistency in this friendship that we have with him. It says this, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, that I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. The only problem is, I think it's easy for us to wander it's easy for us when we don't see the instant results that we want, when we pray and we trust this book and then we, it just doesn't, like things don't happen the way we want things to happen. Sometimes it's easy for us to wander from God's word and we develop excuses that keep us from diving into this book. William, the story I just shared, he actually read through the Bible four times before he died with the tip of his tongue because his passion was so great. What I want to do right now as we close, and just I'm going to fly through this over the next couple minutes, is I want to talk about some, some excuses that I believe you and I use all the time when it comes to why we don't trust this book, why we don't let God's word change our lives, why we don't fix our eyes and live out his commands in the world he's created us to live in. And so the first excuse that I think a lot of times we use is that we say this, we say, I already know what God's word says, so why should I continue to read it? Well, let me ask you this question, if that's you and, and the excuse that you might give. Do you want to know the secrets of God? And I know that sounds like a cheesy question to follow up with, but, but let, me, let me maybe say this a different way. Because I believe that we should desire for God to teach us about daily life. I believe that, that we should look into this book for our guidance, that we all have opinions on all sorts of different things, but this book, this book that God gave us can teach us new things every time we read it. I love it. Like when we read the Psalms and we read different parts of Scripture, what's cool is we can read the same story over and over and over again, and every time we might learn something new, God might draw something to our attention. In Psalm 119, the psalmist uses the word teach eight different times. It means that we should invite God, who is the divine author of our life, to be our instructor in our life through his word. 
2 Timothy 3.16 in the message says, Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and it shapes us for the task God has for us. One of the excuses we sometimes use is we don't need to read it because we already know what it says. Excuse number two is it takes a lot of effort and I'm just really, really tired. And you're right, it does take effort. It does take effort to read this book, but it, it is true, and, and, and it might be true that you're tired, and it might even be true that you're too busy in life. However, it is a matter of priority and perspective when it comes to reading God's word. And maybe you and I need, to, if this is our excuse, we need to explore the question, well, why are we so tired? Maybe there are things that you and I need to stop in order to start the habit of reading God's word. The psalmist uses the phrase, revive me according to your word, 10 different times in Psalm 119. Maybe what you need and maybe what I need, maybe what we need as a body is we need to let God's word revive us according to his word. The psalmist knew the power in God's word and how it can bring life to the dead parts of our life. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Maybe the answer actually is getting into God's word so that you can get the life that you desperately need. According to Psalm 119, God's word has power to set you free, verse 37, to show you the right way, verse 40, to give you comfort in affliction, verse 50, to give you a story to live, verse 88, to give you life, verse 93, um, to plead your cause and redeem you, verse 154, and to show you mercy in 159. Wouldn't you say, knowing those things, that maybe trusting God's word and getting into it is worth your time? I would say it is. Excuse number three that we oftentimes use when why we don't use or read God's word is it's simply just too much work. Let me ask you this. If you're a student, do you still work hard on your homework even when it's hard? Actually, that might not be a good question, but let's just pretend it is, okay? Uh, maybe, okay, uh, or, or maybe for you um, that have a job, when, when things go difficult at work, do you push through them or do you give up? Parents, when your kids do the absolute opposite of what you've asked them to do, do you just send them on their way? No, we don't do those kind of things. I love the song, if, if this is going to date me a little bit, but um, a lot of you might know the band The Fray. In one of their songs, they say this, sometimes the hardest thing is the best thing. Sometimes the hardest thing is the best thing. And I bet the psalmist had that in mind, not the song from The Fray, but that idea in mind uh, when he used the phrase, make me understand the word of God six different times in the book or in the chapter of Psalm 119. Make me understand the word of God. If we think it's too hard, we need to understand that God is the greatest source of life that we have. 
We need to keep his word close, as verse 34 says. We need to learn it whenever and whatever the cost might be, be, verse 73. And we need to live it out. And if I can put that in all caps, we need to live it out. That is what our world needs right now. They need to see people that are going to live it out. Quickly on excuses number four and five. Excuse number four is I don't have time for it. Such an easy thing to say. We live in such a world where things are so busy and we go from one thing to the next to the next. Actually, we really can't say that right now. Well, a little bit right now. But, but what I really want to draw attention to is that the psalmist made time to be in God's word. The psalmist made time from before the sunrise to beyond the sunset, the word of God dominated the psalmist's life. You see it over and over and over again. Throughout the, this beautiful psalm in 119, the psalmist met with God at different times. Before dawn in verse 147, daily in verse 164, seven times daily, verse 164, nightly in verses 55 and 148, and at midnight, verses 62. There's no magic formula. There's no easy button. But the goal is consistency in God's word so that we can dig down deep those roots that we desperately need. You see, whenever you're able to meet with God, it's a good time for him. Let me say that again. Whenever you and I meet with God, it's a good time for him. Maybe not every day is the same. For some of you, maybe you need to start with small and simple you pull out your Bible when you're on a break or when you're riding in the car or before you go to bed, when you wake up. Whatever it is, the challenge is to be consistent in God's word. Not legalistic, but to be consistent. And the last excuse that I think we use, and I think it's easy to use this one, is we just don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And the key here is to remember the letters M and M. I'm not talking about the candy. I'm simply talking about M, meditate, and the other M is memorize. To meditate and to memorize. Psalm 119 reminds us that memor- to, to memorize the mind of God. Did you catch that? Like, think about that. To memorize the mind of God. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, how do, how do we memorize the mind of God? When you memorize God's word, guess what you are memorizing? You are memorizing his mind. You are memorizing his mind. When you read God's word, you are understanding his thought process and his mind. And we live in a very interesting time where everybody has opinions on all sorts of different things. And what gets us in trouble is when you and I don't filter our opinions through God's word. Because we all have them. I used to tell middle schoolers this all the time. Is that, is that when you live your life, like when, when you um, do certain things, you're, you're going to have an opinion about why you did those kind of things. But the most important thing I believe that we can do is when we have our opinions, that we use this book as a filter. That God's word is the filter for our opinions. And the reality is that we need to be humble when we read this book. So that when we actually do get into it, when we trust it, when it starts building this foundation and we start reading things in here, we are going to see things because we're not perfect people that that we're doing that aren't going to line up with this book. And I want to just break this news to you that this book's not going to change. 
It's our opinions that need to change. There's a lot of things going on in the world we live in today that are just messed up. There's a lot of things we see almost daily on the news, and we all have opinions on it, but I want to challenge us, Hillcrest Covenant Church, that we trust this book, that we trust the mind of God that gave us this book to shape our life, and that our opinions, when they don't line up with God's word, would change. That we would change our opinions, not for any other reason, but because we love the words that God has given us. It's a guide for our life. Psalm 119 reminds us to meditate on his words, to let his word shape our opinions, to let his word shape everything about our lives. You see, when we do that, we're not living for ourselves. When we do that, we're living for him. When we do that, we are digging down this root system just like the Chinese bamboo tree did. If it would have started growing right away at the rate that it was growing, it would have never had the root system to hold it up, to build that foundation. Hillcrest Covenant Church, let us be known as people that love God's word, but not just love it because we read it, but love it because we not only read it, but we let it shape everything we do. We let it shape who we are. We let it transform our life because that's the intention of this book. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. And God, I thank you for the ways that you use it to speak to us. And Lord, I pray for all of us, Father. Maybe some of us in this, in this room or in the very place where we're sitting right now or as we watch this online, maybe, Lord, Lord you are convicting us about some things about your word. Maybe we're full of excuses. God, maybe one of these excuses or multiple of, of these excuses really kind of got our attention. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak into those areas. And I pray that we would have the humility to repent in those spaces. And God, more than anything, I pray that we would be a church that builds its foundation deep down below the surface where Lord you get a hold of our hearts and what comes out of our hearts is this growth and this love for you God use your word use your word in powerful ways use your word in ways that we could never even think about experiencing and God let the result of your word Lord, your word, like, like the word became flesh. Lord, you sent, like, that's just amazing in the form of Jesus. And Lord, you taught us so many things. God, teach us how to love your word. And teach us how to take that word to a world that desperately needs to know you. God, we pray this in your name. Amen.